Hi, this is Alex, the sound guy. Before we get to Pastor Chuck's uh, sermon today, we actually have a special announcement. For We have just recently launched uh, all the sermons on as onto Apple Podcasts. So all you need to do is go to... Uh, it, so right now we only have it on Apple devices, unfortunately. We are working on getting it on the Android devices, but that'll probably be another week or two before we get that. So just hang in there if you don't have any... Apple iPods or iPads or any of that. But if you do, here's how you find it. You go to go to the Podcasts app on your Apple device and type in New Heart Foursquare Church. That is four spelled out, not with a number. And then make sure you hit that subscribe button. And every single time a podcast comes out, it'll, it'll download on your feed and undownload after you've listened to it. Now, uh, also, if you want to help people find the podcast, make sure to give it a five-star review and... We'll let you know when we get more updates on the rest of the podcasts. All right, so here's Pastor Chuck. So this is the last week of our series, Faith for Miracles. And I like Sunitha. She says, I like this topic, Faith for Miracles. I need miracles. How many of you need miracles? Amen? Amen. You've seen God do miracles, and now you're still believing him to do more miracles, right? And you've heard that, that saying, if God didn't do anything more, I would still love him. Well, that sounds good, but I really need him to do more than what he's already done. All right? I don't need him to stop and, and not you know, still do what, he's, what he does. God is a, a giving God and a loving God. It's like if I said to my wife, you know, I've done a, for 33 years, okay, I've done just about all I can do. Okay, there's not much more I can do. I'm stopping right here. Do you think that would go over very good? Okay, all the ladies said, no way, Jose. <laughs> so we have to... God, that's, God's nature is to continually pour out his love and his provision and his promises to us. Is that right? He never gets tired. He's always waiting to do a miracle on our behalf. That's good news for me because the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect or mature for them. So God's not up there just saying like, well, you know, I don't know if I feel like doing a miracle today. Uh, do I feel like it? No, let's pull a rabbit out of a hat, pull a name. No, he's looking for someone that is reaching out and grabbing hold of his promises. And he says, I see that faith. Amen. Remember, Jesus was walking and he saw Zacchaeus up in the tree. He said, I must needs go to your house. Out of all the people, he found a guy up in the tree. <laughs> Amen. Does he find you somewhere believing him? And when he does, the Bible says, or not the Bible, people say, he'll go over a thousand people to get to your house to minister to you. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we're talking, uh, the first week we talked about healing, right? We know the promise is that by his stripes we are healed. If we are healed, we were healed. So we don't have to twist his arm. We don't have to beg. We don't have to petition. He already has the promise. What we have to do is receive it by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So the more we hear, the more faith we have to actually receive what he promised to us. Is that right? The second week we talked about finances. And uh, in, in 3 John it says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So it's God's wish, it's God's desire that we prosper, that we do good in, in all of our affairs of life. He wants us to be able to pay our bills. He wants us to be able to help others as well. Is that not so? He, we're not selfish. Say, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. You know, as you, he blesses us, he wants us to distribute to others that are less needy. 
Can I get an amen? Some people say, well, I just don't want to believe God for money. Well, you know, it's not just for you. It's for others that you can bless as well. So God wants us to um, believe him for finances. Then the third uh, week, we talked about believing God for miracles in relationships. And people don't really talk about that. But do you have someone that you're at aught with or that they don't approve of you or they think something bad, evil of you that it's not really true? Or they misunderstood, and for some reason there's a separation, there's a, you know, a, a divide. You need a miracle to bring peace. The Bible says, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. And I don't let people tr- uh, you know, try to be upset at me. If they're upset, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. How can we make this right? Okay, what do you want me to do? I'm, we okay? <laughs> people try to leave the church and get all mad. I say, you, don't have to, you don't have to get mad. You know, we've had a good time together. It's okay. <laughs> I still love you. And, and people leave, and they never, you know, hold it against me. They come back, or they call me, they talk to me. And, and so uh, I don't like to let people be upset. Like our first church that we left, you know, we, had, we got the left foot of fellowship. You know, the left foot of fellowship, like. <laughs> Just because we were telling the truth, they said, well, you can't stay here anymore if you feel that way, you know. Little did we know, the whole church collapsed afterwards. But anyway, he's, he was, the way he let other people go was always rude and talking bad about him and everything. I said, you don't have to do all that. We, we, we're fine. It's okay. You, we'll, go, we'll go. Peace be upon you. <laughs> and the pardon of all your faults. <laughs> no. and, and so it was good. You know, they had a big celebration. Everybody came up. They hugged us. They cried. They gave us money. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I can see the pastor's face. He's going like, I didn't expect this to happen, okay? And 300 people left the church when we left. So um, they said, if Pastor Chuck left, there's something wrong with this fellowship. So I don't let people uh, leave me. And I I brought up something uh, that we have to do in relationships, that if people are angry or they're stubborn or they're fuming or they're fiery, it's like a bullfighter, right? When a bull comes, does a, does a matador just stand there? No, he goes, ole, and let, let that evil just pass by. Now, my wife said, now, pastor, you're not olaying. <laughs> a couple times this week, I, I, I stood in there, and I got right with the bull, and he, she said, you need to ole, you know. Let that thing pass by. Okay, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's okay. You don't have to say amen on that, baby. <laughs> so it's called being transparent, right? Being transparent. So, what, so today we're going to talk about what is our responsibility in believing God for a miracle? Do we have a responsibility that we're supposed to play in this? Is God just up there saying, you know, I'm just going to, maybe I'll do it today, maybe I won't, I don't know. No, he looks for us to, to do things. Uh, so, uh, consider this. Moses, when he wanted to part the Red Sea, God used Moses and he said, stretch forth thy rod, right? By exercising faith, the Red Sea was parted. Now, God couldn't, he didn't do it. He had to wait for Moses to do an act of faith to stretch forth his rod. 
Moses was talking to the children of Israel. Our God's going to be, he's going to deliver us. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Watch God work. And God said, just stretch forth your rod for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, all this talk is good, but the, you know, the Egyptians are coming. And so he stretched forth his rod and lo and behold, Joshua, what did he have to do? Jericho was tightly shut up. And God told him, now I want you to march around the city one time for six days. And don't say anything. And you know, that's a hard thing to do. Because that was some, some funny uh, war plans, wasn't it? Just march around. I'm sure the people in Jericho are on the walls looking down, going like, here they come. Okay, get ready, get ready. They're just walking. What are they doing? They're walking around here. And they just go back home. That's the craziest war plan I ever heard of. And then on the seventh day, he said, on the seventh time around, shout. Well, Pastor, we don't shout at our church, okay? We just, we like to keep things quiet and just, you know, monotone and just, you know, polite, okay? Well, in this army, we got to shout, okay? If the walls want to come down, we got to shout into God with a voice of triumph, amen? Some of you need to shout down the things that are, are, uh, are uh, keeping you back, praise the Lord. Now, God, funny how God talks. God talks as if it's already done. Did you know that? He, he, he sees the present and the past just like it's the future. Because he told Joshua, see, I have given you the city. He's saying, what do you mean? I don't, we're out here. What do you mean? But in the eye of faith, God knew what was going to happen before it happened. God knows what he's going to do for you before you even see it happen. So we got to rejoice before it happens and say, okay, God, I know you got everything under control. I know you're going to work things out. So I'm going to believe by faith that as I move in the direction that you've called me to, do, to go, I am going to see your hand working in my behalf. Amen? So look at, look at how he talks in Romans 4, 17. Well, let's see the definition. Okay, we'll go right here. Well, let's go to the definition of miracle. What is the definition of miracle? It's God's intervention into the natural course of events to bring about a supernatural change that will affect your life according to his will. So you're going along in your natural course of events. It looks like, oh, no, the, your, your doctor's report's not good. Oh, the banker's report's not good. Oh, your relationship doesn't look good. People don't like you. But God can come in between that and change what looks like it's going to happen to what he wants it to be. Amen? By faith. Faith comes by hearing what God wants to do and promise in our life. And so here's how he talks in Romans 4, 17. It says, as it is written, this is God talking, I have made you a father of many nations. This is before he even had one child. He said, I have made you, past tense. It's already done. You know, I called you out, out of uh, of uh, uh, your father's house, and I am going to populate the whole earth be with you and Sarah. And Abraham said, hmm, that's interesting, because me and Sarah, we don't do that anymore. We just sit around and talk and, 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 and have all other kind. We play Scrabble and all that kind of stuff, but we don't do that. He said, but I have made you a father. I already, it already happened. I already saw it. Amen? I made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believe God, who gives life to the dead. Come on. Gives, do you have any dead things in your life? Do you have any dead finances, dead body, dead everything, dead mind? I, you know, you got to speak to your mind. You know, I, I, I remember all things in Jesus' name. Amen? 
You speak to those situations. He gives life to the, those and calls those things that be not as though they were. Do we, everybody, everybody knows that. Everybody, but when you get in the battle, when you get in a situation where it looks like, oh my gosh, this is not going to work out, you have to believe and call those things that being, I am healthy, I am whole, I am prosperous, I have all my bills paid, amen? You have to call those things that be not as though they were. So we're all waiting for God to do something. God's waiting for us to start speaking, start, start doing. So... I came up with a list of four things that we have to do in believing God. Are you interested? Amen. Well, that, wasn't, that was a little weak. Amen. Okay. These are sure fire ways. And I want to tell you, there's a responsibility that we have. You know, some preachers get up, and you, you know it. They, they, they say, James, they, they say, God's going to bless everyone in this house. Amen. All you have to do is give $300, and God is going to do a miracle in your life. This week, come on. <laughs> this is not a slot machine. This is not Las Vegas. It's called seed time and harvest. Live for the Lord and watch him bless you. Amen? Amen. How do we know what the people are doing? They might be robbing banks somewhere. We don't know what they're doing. But here's... Three things that we must do to live, to, to line ourselves up for a miracle. First, be found doing the will of God. Isn't that not right? Where God has called you to be, what God has called you to do, you have to be obedient and do it. And when you're doing it, there's a confidence, there's a peace in knowing that if God has put me here, he's going to make things work out for the good. Like at this church here. You know, when things go wrong, I said, Lord, you, you, you put me here. You, you, you can work these things out. I trust in you. I believe in you. Amen? In, in the marriage, if things don't go right, Lord, this is the one that you gave me. Lord, you can make it work out in Jesus' name. You know, I found out that I never have to pray for people to get married. <laughs> when they come in for premarital counseling, oh, I just love, oh, we're just so in love. Ooh-wee. Two weeks later, it's like, I don't know if I can put up with this any longer. What happened? I got to pray to keep them married. I didn't have to pray to get them married, but I had to pray to keep them married. What, what, how could you love someone so much, and then you cross the thrush, threshold, and all of a sudden, things change? Well, that's the one the Lord gave you to perfect you and to get you to do the things that he wants you to do. Iron sharpeneth iron. And boy, does that iron hurt. Okay. <laughs> when you have trouble at work, if God has called you to do that job, he will work it out for you. I can remember a time when I was working for Kaiser, and I would disperse money, cash, uh, I had $6,000 per month that I would give out to, for expense reports. And people would come in and they would, you know, get reimbursements. And they had a rule where you could collect it for your friends. You know, if your friends fill out an expense report, up to $75, you could receive the money for them. You guys figuring this out yet? So anyway, one lady came in and she would always have two or three expense reports from her friends. 
Does that sound okay so far? Okay, so then uh, this was going on for a while, and all of a sudden, I saw one of them that didn't have a signature on there, so I called the lady and I said, oh, you know that expense report that so-and-so brought to you? Uh, you didn't sign it. And she goes, what expense report? I said, you know, that one on last month. She goes, I didn't put an expense report in. She said, let me call you back. All of a sudden, <laughs> the Kaiser police come to me. <laughs> what are you doing? What, what's happening here? I said, I don't know. I'm, I, I just called on this, and someone picked up the money for somebody else. And so they were interrogating me because they thought I was in it with this lady. Now, here's the circumstantial evidence. I was going to perform a wedding, and actually did perform a wedding for this lady. And so they were saying, uh, you probably were giving money to her so that they could pay you for the wedding. I, oh, no, 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 no. I'm a man of God. I wouldn't do that. They said, well, you know, you probably soft-hearted, and you just felt sorry for her. No, 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 no. I didn't feel sorry for her. I wouldn't do that. And, and the, the final thing was... Um, I said, but I was the one that called it in. I was the one that told you that she hadn't signed that expense report. And they go, well, you probably forgot that that was the one that you guys were teaming up on. I went like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Nothing, I, I know how you can be framed. Nothing I could say could change their mind. So guess what? I get a three-day paid suspension to go home and do some gardening while they sort this all out. And while I'm gardening, I go, Lord, you put me in this job. You put me in this position. You're going to work this thing out. I know you are. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm trusting in you. And so three days later, they call me back. They say, well, you want your job back? I go, yeah, of course. What do you think? <laughs> this is in my retirement plan to be in <laughs> And they said, well, come on. And so, of course, they changed the rule. You can't pick up money for other people anymore. But I was confident that God placed me there. He put me there. Because I had gone there to Kaiser before because we rented a facility, a church across the street when I was working for the church, and I would get the free parking from Kaiser. And while I was up there on the fourth floor, I said, you know, this place, I just feel comfortable. I, w I could work here. Well, lo and behold, when we left our other job, our other church, that was the job where I went. I went to Kaiser right there, fourth floor, same place. God knew ahead of time where I was supposed to be. And he put a settling in my heart. So, you know, we think that we're just going through life, we're doing things. But God said, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I'm going to bring you to the place where you're supposed to be. And when you're there doing it, you have a confidence in knowing that he's going to work everything out. So be found doing the will of God. Have faith that the Lord will help you. Or I'm sorry, take action as he directs. So if he's called you some, to do something, he's going to give you some directives, some things that you're supposed to do. He told Abraham, move away from your father. Is that not right? He told Joshua, you know, uh, go and, and attack Jericho. So you have to believe that uh, he, he'll be there for you. You take action, then you have faith that the Lord will help you. Amen? And then the last thing is live for him and obey his commandments. Why did you put that in there? Live for him and obey his commandments. Why? Why do we have to do that? Why can't we just do whatever we want to do? This lazy fair, you know, God knows my heart. You know, I just can't live for him completely. No, God said, I want you to live and obey my commandments. So we're going to give you a little illustration of this. In Genesis 15, 13 through 14, this is Abraham's story. God said to Abraham, no for certain. What does for certain mean? It's for certain, right? 
When God has a plan for your life, he knows that he's, he's committed to make it come to pass regardless of our little miscomings and misgivings. Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. Boy, that's some good news, isn't it? <laughs> you and your family are going to live in servitude and slavery for 400 years. How would you like that sentence on your life? Not good, huh? And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Uh, so God knew what was going to happen before it happened. You know, we think that we just arrived when we were born, then all of a sudden God started his plan. No, there was a plan started all the way before we even got to where we were born. The Bible says he knew us and called us and chose us before the foundation of the world. He knew what he wanted us to do with us before we were even born. This is amazing. We, our job is to find it. Right, Johnny? Lord, you gave me the talent, you gave me the gift, where do you want me to be? You know, I, I, the church that we went to, uh, the Lord really ordained me to, to be there for the time. I was there for 18 years. And he called me there to help them get out of debt. They were $130,000 in debt. And I was thinking, well, Lord, let me just look around. You know, it feels good, but let me look around. And he said, you asked me for a church. I showed you the church. What do you need to look around for? And he was stern. He was firm. He was like, what are you playing around? I've got this all lined up. What are you doing? <laughs> I said, okay, Lord. Yeah, I got it. Okay, I got it. So um, he has a plan for you. Now, so then, uh, for so 430 years pass, and Abraham's gone. Isaac, Jacob's gone. Children are crying out. And Moses, God calls Moses, right? He says, Moses, Moses, Moses. <laughs> You're standing on holy ground. I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. And what does Moses do? He's got five excuses. Who am I? I'm not qualified. Who shall, say, who shall I say send me? I don't have any knowledge of you or what I'm supposed to do. They won't believe me. I can't speak that well. Can you send someone else? Five excuses. How many excuses do you have? God wants to go through our excuses and have him do what he's already planned to do. God already had it planned. 400 years, they're going to be in servitude, then I'm going to bring them out. Moses, you're the man. You're the one that's supposed to do it. Praise the Lord. And so Moses, he messes up. He can't go into the promised land. And then so uh, he dies. Say, ah, ah. Moses dies. God gives him 30 days. Mourn for 30 days. Now Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you, Joshua, get up and lead my people into the promised land. Right? And here's what he tells him in Joshua 1, 5 through 6. This is really important. He says, no man shall stand, be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Isn't that a good promise? No, can't touch you, man. <laughs> No man can stand before you. I don't care who it is, your boss, you know, the city council, whoever. No man shall stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. But be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. What did he, what did he say? He said, I made a promise to Abraham. 
to your fathers a long time ago. I haven't forgotten it. I need to fulfill it. Moses messed up. Now you, Joshua, you take the helm. I want you to do it. Are there things in your life that God wants you to do that no one else can do, that he's appointed you and, and, and you know, uh, determined that you're supposed to do these things? Whether it be taking care of your family, taking care of a neighbor, taking care of someone that's alongside of you, God has appointed you to do a great work in his behalf. Amen? Joshua 1.7, though, it says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn it from the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Praise the Lord. We're going to go to Joshua 10.8. So the Lord said to Joshua, what happened here between Joshua chapter 1 and Joshua chapter 10 is they, they, they take Jericho, they take Ai, and then the people of Gibeon, of Gibeon said, you know what? These children of Israel, they're not messing around. They're going to come and wipe us out. We need to, we need to get a, 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 a band together. So they got five kings to go and fight against Joshua. Now, if I was Joshua and five kings with armies were coming against me, would you be a little scared? Five kings with armies, okay? We, we get nervous when one person talks bad about us. But we got five kings coming after us. <laughs> and so Joshua reminds him, he says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Isn't that the same promise he did? He told him in Joshua 1. What's the promises that God has given to you? That you're going to be successful in these things that God has called you to do. So what Joshua does, he says, okay, I got five kings that are camped in, uh, in Gibeon, and they're going to come and they're going to fight Gibeon. I got to go help Gibeon because they're part of my treaty. So here's what they do. This is amazing. Are you ready for this? Give, uh, Joshua takes his men and marches 26 miles in the night, in the dead of the night, no flashlights, no lanterns, quietly uphill 26 miles. It's like hiking to Catalina on land through the, 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 brush, you know, the bushes, up the mountain to get to this city of people Five kings that are just resting and having a good time and just relaxed and ready to go to battle. All night, no sleep. Do you think that's, that's a wise decision? Do, do you think, what was he thinking? My men are going to be all tired by the time they get up there. We're marching all night. We can't see only this, the moonlight. So let's look at it in Joshua 10, 9 and 10. It says, and after all, an all-night march. How many, how many you ever spend all night doing something? I mean, it, it doesn't happen that often. The, the Lord, here's what happened. After, they, after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. Why did they take him in by surprise? Back up, John. Back up there, boy. <laughs> Why? Because these guys, they were marching all night. They came in 
early morning and woke these guys up. They came up the backside. They're like, what, what, ha where did these guys come from? Have you ever been woken up from a dead sleep and, and, and you're not, you don't have all your senses together? You're kind of like, what? Dominic was saying he, he, he woke up late today and he's like, he was stumbling. Where, 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 where am I? What day is it? <laughs> so that's what these guys were doing. They're waking up. They're going like, what's happening? What's happening here? But what was, what was uh, Joshua doing? He was moving in action on what the Lord promised. No man shall stand before me. I don't care if I'm tired. I don't care if I have to march all night long. A whole army. Do you think there was any complainers in there? What are we doing marching at night? 26 miles, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. Anybody? Do you have anybody? Would anybody be like, I'd be there, okay? I'd be like, why, why is the pastor making us do all this stuff? Why, why do we have to set up all these canopies and stuff like that? You know? <laughs> why do we have to have hospitality every, every, every Sunday? What, what's going on here? So they were complaining. And uh, so the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makedah. Okay? Now, here's where the Lord comes in because this is the part where the Lord is going to help him. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Haran that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. What are you talking about? We're talking about these guys, these soldiers that are coming. They don't know what they're doing, and God, God said, you know what, children of Israel, you can't fight this battle. So God says, you know what, let me Take care. Oh, oh, look out. Here. <laughs> so the Lord threw hailstones from heaven because the children of Israel couldn't. But guess what? The Lord had to back it up. God will do a miracle in your life to back you up when you run out of strength, when you run out of faith, when, when, you, run, when you run out of power. God is there. It gets even gooder. Are you ready for this? So these guys are running for their lives. And Joshua said in Joshua 10, 12 through 13, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We ain't killed everybody. We, we need... On the day that the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon, you stand still too. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, so the nation avenged itself on its enemies. Wait a minute. Is this really true? How could the sun stand still? The sun really doesn't move. The earth moves around the sun anyway. But how, how could the sun stand still and the moon stand still? What about all the other planets that are hooked up? Are they going to just hit each other like, like billiard balls? Just boing, boing, you know, and everything. What about the universe? What happened? How did that happen? We don't know. We, we can't figure that out. But here's the key in this. 
Do you notice that Joshua didn't pray to the Lord? He didn't ask the Lord for help. He said, I have a promise from the Lord that no man shall stand before me. I'm not done doing what I'm supposed to do. So, son, stand still. He commanded it. You need to command things. You, might, you need to call those things to be not as though they were. You need to say, Lord, I, I need this body to be healed. I, I need the situation to be changed, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Amen? God has given us power to speak over situations that cause it caused things to happen more than just him doing it. What responsibility do we have? We have to have faith. We have to have action. We have to believe that the Lord is going to back us in what we say and what we do. Amen? That is what the Lord has said to us. So, so God made that happen. So let's see this picture of it. In the midst of battles, I like what Joshua does here. In the presence of God, so guess what? He is at one with God. Is that not true? When, you're in one, when you fellowship with the Lord, when you worship with him, he comes in and his presence is upon you, and you're one. He, when you speak, it's just like him speaking through you. right? He didn't have to ask the Lord, what are we going to do? He just said, you know what? There's nothing else we can do. Son, stop. I'm not done. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a football player, football coach. He said, we never lost a football game. We just ran out of time. <laughs> or the baseball coach says that we never we never strike out we just keep swinging until we hit it and that's what you got to believe amen time never runs out praise the lord we just keep on believing believing in faith i have a i have another story but i don't think we have time to do it but let's just uh, let's just go to it uh let's go to that picture remember when jesus was with the disciples, and they're on the boat, and they're going across the lake, and a great storm came, and they were freaking out. Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you feel that way sometimes? Jesus, wake up. What, don't you see what I'm going through right here? And what, is, what did Jesus say to them? He said, uh, why is it that you have no faith? That's the scripture before it. He said unto them, why are you so fearful? Why are, you so, why are you afraid of? Why is it that you don't have any faith? What was he trying to tell them? You speak to, them, to the wind. You speak to the sea. You tell, the, you tell it to calm down, right? And so guess what? He got up. He calmed it for them. You can see the picture of him calming. What happened? You ever been in a storm of life and things are, just don't look like they're going to work out? And you speak to the situation, all of a sudden it calms down and you go like, man, what was I worried about? God had it all under control. And so many times I've had it in my life where things were going haywire, going out of control, and I said, Lord, you need, to, you need to come in here and make up the difference. And he did. And so the last scripture in Mark 4, 41, actually the Lord spoke that to me one time. He said, why are you so fearful? You know, where is your faith? How come you don't speak to that situation? What are you waiting for me for? And so... The disciples, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's the same thing. The same manner of man he is is the same manner of man that we're supposed to be. To be able to speak to turbulent times, speak to storms in our lives and cause them to calm down and, and the Prince of Peace to come into situations and, and cause things to happen for our good. Amen? You believe that? 
All right, give the Lord a hand clap of praise and say, Lord, we thank you that you've given us power over the enemies. You've given us power over situations that we're facing, that we know, Lord God, that as you have given us your word of encouragement and direction, we take action and believe that what you've said to us will surely come to pass. We are of certainty to know that you are good and your mercy endures forever. So think about a situation that you're facing right now, just before these, these gentlemen play, and speak to that situation, whether it be relations or faith, for healing, faith for finances. Say, Lord, you wouldn't leave me comfortless. You wouldn't leave me deserted here, but you'll be there for us, Lord. And as we speak to you, as we speak to our everlasting God, that we know that you are the one that can do more than enough, more than what we can ask or think, exceedingly abundantly, more than we can ask or think. So we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, just take a minute, just think about a situation. Give it to the Lord right now.